What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. The show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant? Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io. That's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T dot I-O for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Polyant. Now on to today's show. We apologize if the audio quality of this episode is a little bit different than what you've come to expect. The following episode was recorded live and on location at ETH Denver 2020. In this episode, we sit down with Jack O'Halloran, co-founder and CEO of Scale Labs, a company building a modular protocol that allows developers to easily provision highly configurable blockchains so developers can focus on building scalable, decentralized applications. Welcome back, everybody, to Fork the Product. We're here live at ETH Denver 2020, and we're speaking with Jack O'Halloran from Scale. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't we dig in? Tell us a little bit about Scale. What are you guys up to? Yeah, so Scale is help. Our goal is to solve the scaling problem with blockchain, which often gets I think put into the wrong problem set around what is throughput, what are transactions per second. We're really trying to solve the user experience problem and help make sure blockchains are more usable, both for developers and the end users of those products. And we do that in a, in a number of ways. By one, obviously supporting higher throughput, but two, having faster block times. Three, making a seamless layer two experience for end users so that when they are using a layer two or a second layer uh, connectivity to uh, second layer blockchain that the end user doesn't even need to know they're using it. And so it, it really abstracts away the complexity and it's just one component of the UX issue that uh, and that I think everyone's trying to solve for. But that's really our goal is let's try to get uh, a DAP with a million daily active users live by the end of this year and then let's get a lot more of them. Yeah. So is Scale a set of developer tools? Or scale is yeah, product. great question. So scale is a network. So it's it's a network that's actually built into and around Ethereum. So there are unique there are nodes that run in the scale network. So any of us could plug a server into the wall with the right requirements, run the software, join the network, put a stake into the network, and then we have the scale network. And so the way the scale network operates is, let's say there's a thousand nodes in the scale network. Mm-hmm. It, we use cutting edge microservices. So so Docker is being leveraged. And so there's a component of each node that's dedicated to administration, orchestration, and auditing of the network. Okay. And then there's components where there's 128 subcontainers or virtualized subnodes. Each one of those could be on a different DAP blockchain. So your node could potentially be supporting 128 different DAPs. And the way that ha- what happens is, is, let's say these thousand nodes are together then they all have 128 sub pieces they're putting into the network. And then randomly chains are, are created. And so you have your game, you have your DeFi application, both of you come to the network at the same time and you may want a small chain, you may want a large chain. 
the network then is going to pull resources together randomly and assign them to you. And effectively, you're getting Ethereum as a service. So you're getting a really fast C++ Ethereum. It's an Aleph uh, version that's run scale consensus, run okay. sub-second yeah. block times, and then that connects seamlessly back to Ethereum. The other piece of this... So uh, I want to pause yeah, you yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah. So, so is it a side, a side chain on demand? Yeah, exactly. But okay. we call them elastic side chains because one, uh, they're configurable by size, privacy, security. Two, the network is randomly giving you an, uh, nodes that run your chain and rotating them. Got it, okay. And there's a stake. So so it's it's very elastic in terms of what the configuration is and the security model. Sure. Uh, but the other piece is that it's actually built into the Ethereum mainnet. It's in a way it's a DAP in itself. So those node each of those node cores that are doing orchestration and admin and auditing speak to a set of smart contracts on the mainnet where the scale token lives. So when you stake in the scale network, it gets secured in the mainnet. If you pay fees for a chain, it gets secured in the mainnet. Sure. If uh, when the nodes need to be rotated or assigned, the mainnet smart contracts work in tandem with each node in the network. And the, really, the it's a DAP in itself that what it provides at the end of the day is Ethereum to drive other DAPs. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's really interesting. And where are you guys at in terms of product development? Are you live or? We are live in Testnet. Okay. We are in probably V5 of Testnet. We've got 10 of the top validators in the world running the network globally. We're launching mainnet in early Q2. Awesome. Yeah. We've been working on this since 2017. Wow. Uh, okay. yeah. yeah. I love the clarity of you saying like, we want a DAP that has a million monthly active users by the end of the year. The clarity there, the focus on the problem, perfect. It is a lot of complexity under the hood. Like how did yeah. you, how did you get there? That seems like a, a big challenge. Yeah. Well, as both of you know, from your backgrounds, it's really hard to just come up with great uh, solutions to problems that aren't your own. Yeah. <laughs> we, we thankfully, yeah. Uh, when I met Stan and Stan, my co-founder, CTO, he's got a PhD in physics, over 20 years of cryptography experience. He was one of the people who built the Java virtual machine, one of the physicists that built the Java virtual machine. Oh, wow. okay. That's helpful. Yeah. We ran a crypto lab yeah. for seven years, working for the US government and started a cryptography company with Dan Bonet. You have a little firepower on your side. So he's, he's, a, he's a, a brilliant technical visionary and I kind of think I'm, I'm pretty good at uh, product market fit and understanding problem solving and business models and, and product. And we I was looking at starting a DAP. I had a bunch of ideas for DAPs that I was working on. He had like five, five DAPs he was building. <laughs> I was like, Stan, why can you build a DEX, a Twitter payments platform, uh, this and this and this. And he's like, and, and then he explained it to me, I said, draw this out for me. And I flew to Ukraine and we whiteboarded and he whiteboarded all the architectures. And I was like, hey, the, what you've designed here is actually, I was calling it middleware back then, the word layer two sure. or yeah. side chain. Yeah. I was like, this is middleware. I was like, this and this is what I know. Enterprise software, middleware is my sweet spot. And so really the, the complexity came from Stan's understanding of the code and understanding of what he wanted for himself. Yep. It has evolved over time. And especially as we've learned from the community and we, you know, it's hard doing product market fit and customer development for a lot, for a big network yes. <laughs> because you oh, can't yeah. like, hey, test and drive. <laughs> exactly. right? yes. yeah. So we had to really make a really focused, concerted effort to get product market fit and get feedback. And, and we just, along the way, we've had 35 dApps in this innovator program they are testing and trying. And so a lot of the rotation and random assignments and, and all these other components have come from uh, risks around security that have been exposed. And, oh, and yeah. the interchain messaging with money going back and forth has evolved just 
completely because of the feedback from the testers. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that innovator program? Yeah, I really like, want to know about the yeah, customer help, development walk aspect. Us through yeah. that. I, that sounds fascinating and love everything you've been describing so, so far. So my, my first startup that I had founded, Steve Blank was one of one of the angel investors who's oh, you know, one wow, of the okay. godfathers of customer the development. <laughs> yes, and, absolutely. And you know, he's like, throw out product development, it's all about customer development. Four steps to epiphany, a great yes. book for anyone that's looking for, you know, it's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you know, and I'll tell you what, we read, you know, studied all this stuff and we made every mistake in the book. You kind of, it's all, <laughs> yeah, something that happens. You have to. That's the learning curve. You have to. You pay you your dues. <laughs> you do. You know, it's like you don't know the oven's hot when you're a kid until you touch it. <laughs> right. Like, everybody's got to touch the oven once. And and that happened to me. And and then I just really learned my lesson. And so what we did, we said, all right, let's look at the situation we're in. We, we can't really let people use this or pay for it in the real world until the network's live, which is going to be in year and a half probably so how can we start getting testing how can we and not just that but you don't want to have happy years so somebody oh yeah i'd buy that i'd use that so yeah we created this program yeah. and so what we what we give is we give engineering resources product resources connections to like investors. Actual, de actual development time yeah or, actual okay. development time okay and so we give hands-on help yeah. when they're in this program what we charge them is their time in terms of using the product, testing the product, giving feedback. Sure. And so what we also don't do, we don't grant them money. A lot of people pay projects hard cash or tokens that they can turn into cash. And you kind of muddy your product market fit learning yeah, you when do. you're paying totally, users. Yeah. So, so we've, we haven't done that. We have given Amazon type grants to some of them, uh, a big chunk of them, so that they're getting you know, three, six, X number of months, like you get a credit. Sure. You know? It's more like but, bartering. Um, yeah. 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 And <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds very similar to an approach that Nick and I have, you know, taken uh, when we worked together in the past. And I continue to, um, and you know, concierge prototyping and co-building with your, mm. with your clients. Yes. That's I a great Co-building is the, and that's what you have to do in decentralized networks. You have to co-build and especially if you want to really be open source and yeah. have an open source, yeah. not just code base, but yeah. community. Yeah. And because you can't necessarily sell, iterate, did they buy, what didn't they buy, and like typical you know, B2B product market fit customer development. Right. Totally. So they're in this innovator program, I guess. What is, so, so you said the, the price they're paying is their time. Mm -hmm. They're using the network, they're giving the feedback. Is that formalized at all, or is it just a, a handshake agreement that they're going to be? They sign. They sign paperwork that basically says, "Hey, we're a letter of intent that says we're here's the here's the agreement. Here's okay. what we're doing. Let's sign off on confidentiality and yeah. where it makes sense." Sure. And, and and then we also give them, you know, we give them access to test chains because you know we run the chains, and now we have validators running running the test environment, but. That, that's the dynamic, yeah. and it's, it's worked really well because uh, because the the where we are as an industry is there is real pain when it comes oh. to to walk oh, yeah. <laughs> times, yeah. latency, pain gas fees, and you know, and so it, it was. So I just have, I'm very thankful of the community and the Scale Innovator Program participants because the, they've really helped. They've shaped the network. We had an idea, but their needs and requirements and. I think we did a good job listening, and we've got a great team. But you know, we wouldn't be here without their input at all. Yeah. Be like one tenth the product. 
before we started this conversation, we were talking before we pressed record, and you were mentioning that you're really passionate about user experience. Yes. And but that it's not always the end user experience. Sometimes it's the de the developer experience. Yeah. You know, I can think about Web two companies and companies like Stripe who mm -hmm. saw how difficult it was to integrate e commerce and said, let's make this a one line integration, and they won hearts and minds with developers by doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what's your approach to developer UX? How how do you go about even doing the discovery work for that, and then what are you doing to make sure that you have a good developer UX? Yeah, well, so, and also we, we've, there are some great examples of people who've done that well, like Stripe, Twilio, and others who have just really made it yeah. life, and you know, at the same time, it's not like they've made it so dummy proof that you just hit a button and something happens. Like you're still interacting with command line. You're still they understand their audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and those audiences don't want that either. Yeah. Right. They, don't want to, like, they, they want to. Yeah. They want the control. They, they yeah. want to know what they're doing. So you, yeah. You, and so there. And so there's that sweet spot that they found. And so I think that's where we've found. So it's two lines in integration to Truffle and other tools, and just two lines of code to deploy the chain and really point to the RPC and the IP address and. You're, you're live, but then you want money to go back and forth with interchain messaging, it's a little more involved, you have a lot of code samples, but we basically tried to make it absolutely as easy as possible. And at a hackathon, I think we had 64 submissions last year at hackathons. Oh, wow. And, and, and I'm not, I don't wanna say names of other systems, but some of them are incredibly complicated to set up and run, and to run in a way that's secure. And so we wanna make it easy so that developers aren't having to take shoulder any security burden yeah and they can run these things and set them up in a fairly easy way but still requires them to do their you know use their profession yeah. and only a developer would be able to deploy yeah but um but yeah that's what we're trying to do and then the other piece is we really think it's critical i, I, lo I love what the api based wallets are doing mm -hmm. so you look at portis bitsky formatic taurus um those four in particular, we spend a lot of time with because what happens is the end user doesn't need to drop down the into the RPC port. They don't need to drop down to scale. And scale, a thousand nodes could run eight thousand independent blockchains, which all have a different RPC address, right? Sure. sure. And uh, RPC port and IP address. And so when you're dropping down, what they do is on the back end, they just connect that. The end user is literally just playing the game, doing whatever they're doing. They don't even know they're using scale. And they're getting sub-second block times. There's no gas fees. That's the other component. Mm -hmm. The developer is subsidizing the gas fee because they buy the chain for six months or 12 months or 24 months. And they can use it as much or as little as they want. And if they use it more than what they bought in terms of compute, it just gets throttled. You just right. And that's been, that's been such a pain point with devs, yeah. right? It's like you're going to ask your user to go through this convoluted process to interact with your product. And then you're going to ask them to pay? Yeah. Like how, how, that's yeah. never going to work, and, right? And I'd love to hear your guys' perspective on this. This, this dynamic of you, you punish your users for the more they use your product. Right. Which is the opposite <laughs> right. of what we typically try to do yeah. with yeah. product, yeah. right? We're like, it's let's so reward true. them. Let's get them to use more and more. And then, oh, then they're getting stuck. Let's now buy more. Oh, and now upgrade to the next package, right? And right. That has been taken, that tool's taken from developers when they need to pay per transaction. Yeah. The user does. I mean, that really is a perfect demonstration of where when you don't think about the full developer experience, like, you miss the boat. And I think I love uh, the fact that you were describing hackathons. Like it seems like a perfect test case once you have things, you know, as an additional way to get at do you have product market fit? Uh, in addition to the innovator uh, program, if you can sit and observe physically, mm -hmm. 
teams building with your tools in person, you yeah, get all yeah. that feedback real time. You're sitting with them, feeling their pain with them because yeah. nothing is worse than seeing, you know, what I, somebody use your product and failing. <laughs> I have to imagine events like this are a Petri dish, right? Like, it's unbelievable. And you know, the thing is we stay late. You come here at like two in the morning, you'll see the scale team. And that's when, that's when the magic happens. That's when people are pulling so, their hair out. Yeah, and <laughs> the emotions are yeah, wrong. Yeah. yeah, and then, and let me tell you, they, we learned, that's where we've really learned a tremendous amount. And we brought engineers from core engineering here to help and support hackers and wow. who are, you know, leading a lot of the development. And then they also got to not just hear from product and solutions engineering, but to hear directly. And that was really helpful too. But that, that was a, tremendous advantage to have you know we had eight eight hackathons under our belt 60 or seven 64 submissions and just you know you can't you can't get that type of experience in yeah you know, user testing.com or something oh, yeah, no or no, no, no. the <laughs> overhead and trying to set up meetings <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah the other thing that i love about that in addition to all the learnings you get in my experience when you have engineers or and, you know, the team building your product, interacting with end users directly, nothing is more motivating than seeing, you know, one, the pain and then solving that pain down the line and getting that, you know, sense of reward. I yeah. love that. Oh, and, and it, you know, these hackathons, you're up all night and then the morning they get, they submit and then the feeling, it's almost like people doing a marathon. Oh, it is. You yeah. cross that finish line <laughs> and you help them and they did the hard work, but you know, you were yeah. there to support them and yeah. it's a great, they're fun. It's you're, you're their pacer experience. Yeah. Basically you're their pacer. <laughs> yeah. So earlier you were talking about, uh, kind of trying to eliminate the pain of the per transaction and in yeah. the system, the, the developer, they buy the chain for an amount of time. I'd yep. love to hear more about the scale business model. Yeah. Okay. So, so one thing I do want to call out because there's I know there are a lot of savvy listeners out there saying, well, if there's no gas, how do you prevent DOS attacks, right? right. Like, and so that's why we have gas, right? We need to make sure no one's jamming up the system. So on scale, you still have gas, but it's all being pushed out through the faucet, and then you basically it's a fake gas, and so the users are basically integrating it, or the developer makes it so that. The users still push through a gas, but if they try to push through a million of them in a second, then they're just going to run out. But it, it doesn't cost any real money. It's feeless gas, essentially. Yeah, okay. and so it's and they'll just run, and it's just really quantities are the gating factor that stops dosing. Sure. Okay. And then and so the business model then so one the business it's a two sided market, so it's validators, and um, on the other side it's developers. So developers buy the scale chain, they pay in the scale token. Okay. The validators need to stake scale into the system because they have to have a stake. If they, if they go Byzantine or malicious and try to steal money, they have to, to lose money. We have pooled security. Okay. Yep. And then there's delegators too who can buy scale tokens and stake it and help increase security and size of network. So each node has a minimum requirement amount of scale in it and a max amount. Okay. And so, mm -hmm. so once the delegators and validators have enough stake in one node, and then you know they get a million more dollars that needs it. then guess what they're gonna have to set up 10 more servers right and so then it keeps growing the size of the network the network can keep growing linearly and supporting more and more chains and then the price per chain is also variable based off the network load so depending on if the network's really overloaded it costs a lot more it incentivizes more people to set up nodes mm. And if the network's oh, underloaded, it costs less, there's less fees. Sure. And mm -hmm. there's an inflation model too. So every year, there's about, in the first three years, it'll be about 8% inflated okay. into the network. 
that will pay fees uh, to everyone running nodes. Now, sure. that's the business model. Scale Labs Inc. passed the IP. Uh, we pass we passed IP money. Um, investment contracts, everything over to a foundation that then just supports the open source uh, initiative. Okay. And then we get paid really just costs, uh, Scale Labs Inc. We support the net, we support the foundation in helping with core engineering tasks, helping with marketing, communication, and you know, other vendors too. At some point we'll get set up. It's an open network, just like Ethereum has many people helping and supporting. That's the goal. And then the business model is the core team had some tokens Mm-hmm. Um, and their services that help drive that growth. And so the, the very cool thing about decentralized networks is you can build these amazing marketplaces or business models where you remove the middleman. Yeah. And so the fee structure, the foundation doesn't get any cut of the fees. Scale Lab doesn't get any cut of the fees. You create a pure marketplace. And you, you want to have a win. You want the validators to make as much money as they can. But on the other side, you want the depths to get the best price they can. But instead of a typical model where a centralized entity gets 30 or 50 percent a year right. or 80 percent right yeah. there's zero it's just up front there's a certain percentage of the tokens that are minted at like really you know on day one at no value and then um you know hopefully the utility of the entire network grows over time and it creates a win and you end up being able to bootstrap really pure business models Absolutely, that yeah. that frankly um take a little cut up front but over time they're way less punitive and controlling and Extractive. Extractive. Yeah, extractive. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's and how really big is the scale team? 30 people 30 on the Scale Labs core team. Okay. How does that break down? There are about, uh, there are about 20 people in, uh, in Ukraine, where Stan, my co-founder, is based. And then there are about 10 in San Francisco. There are maybe 25 or so engineers. There are two people in marketing. Um, one person in kind of a business strategy, like do everything, sure. type yeah. role, <laughs> yeah. um, and and I guess two product managers too, but they're kind of quasi engineers. So we've got a, it's primarily engineering, yeah, yeah, which is different from a lot of the makeup of like the many 2017, 2018 yeah. crypto projects yeah. that were yeah. 90% <laughs> marketing. We yeah. we really we really just the main audience where we care about is developers. So we think of it as B to decentralized B to D decentralized business to developer network to developer. Yeah. And, and you know, other things will take care of themselves. I think if we do a good job helping create wins for people that are building on Ethereum. Absolutely. What's the target for mainnet? April, uh, April to May. Okay. So early Q2 is what we're, what we're, yeah, telling her we've got an open uh, mainnet going or a testnet going. We're going full speed, working out the final kinks. We're in deep in audit uh, with the code base and have gone through t- uh, rounds and fixing the you know tweaks that come out of that, which are always great to find before you launch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll be doing some Hacker One bounties, Gitcoin bounties. And some other incentivization to strengthen and and make the network more more secure can, before launch. Can you actually talk a little bit about what it's been like to leverage um, services or platforms like Gitcoin um, and and how you know that may create I don't know it, it raises awareness in many yeah. ways. So can yeah, you, talk you about know that? I love that I love their product I love their vision I like what they're doing and the cool thing is so. 
so we we also are going to use HackerOne because there's a very strong community of deep, you know, deep white hat hack <laughs> group. But there's also a strong community of that. It's a little different and broad in Gitcoin, but there's other elements in Gitcoin where you need help with certain pieces of the protocol. You want to incentivize the community to do and test or try certain mm -hmm. things or help build certain things. And the cool thing is it's, it's token oriented. So one, they take care of compliance. So we don't need to send out like 10, you know, 1099s or 1080s or whatever yeah. you know, the tax structure is. Right. Like they manage all the compliance and operations. And the other piece is you can get your token out. And your, your t the token, not your token, but the, the community's token, you want the token in the hands of the people who own the network, which exactly. is the developers yeah. and the validators yeah. and the yeah. delegators. Like those are the net, not the not a core team, not investors. Like you need to get the asset into people's hands so you can start using it, staking it, um, paying for chains with it. And so Gitcoin's got a beautiful model in that we can't aren't just passing through fiat. We're actually using crypto and it's locked in smart contracts so they complete tasks and they're really kind of dog fooding, so to speak. Yeah. It's it's like a great distribution channel to get yeah. your future users to dabble with your technology and get bought into the project. And it's it's kind of like, you know, there's that, that weird moment where you open up, uh, you know, you look at what token in, you know, my ether wallet or something, and you look at all the tokens you have in your wallet. And, what are these 15 yeah. tokens? Like, you know, that's one strategy, just airdrop tokens to people. Yeah. No, no clue. That. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is like actually incentivize people with work and community. Exactly. And, help share the load and then get tokens to people that way. And it's more meaningful. They're not just going to end up on an exchange somewhere. Yeah. They're going to be utilized. So. Well, they're, they're vested. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, very cool. So I think to close this out here, we've got a couple of questions that we've been asking people. Um, okay. You know, we're, we're all close to the industry. We, we love mm -hmm. seeing, push this, seeing this stuff move forward. With regard to crypto, blockchain, what are you most excited about right now? So... One, I, okay, I have two answers. The first one is just we're so close to fixing all these problems. And I mean, I've been seeing, I've been talking about it the last year, telling people, you're looking at the wrong metrics. <laughs> and the right, and you, you guys see this too. There, there's so much growth happening. And we look across the stack of like fiat on ramp to authentication to wallets to leveraging layer twos to support you know, main nets to main net improvements um, and uh, and so on and so forth. There's other, you know, there's things like the graph and fuse and other products that uh, that monitor that like are providing data on what's happening in the chain. There's a whole ecosystem growing here. Yeah. And so the thing is, a lot of things have just been in build mode and there's so much launching yeah. this year. So that is exciting to me. The other piece that's exciting is these business models that we're all talking about they haven't come to fruition yet because the UX sucks. And, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I keep calling this the value to friction ratio. And so if you ask any DAP, what is your value of decentralization or using a blockchain? And most of them can describe it very clearly, like we give this over using a centrally owned asset. And that's why we use blockchain. And so the users get this advantage, this advantage, or this advantage. And the issue is none of those advantages for the most part are good enough if to get your normal user unless like because the friction's so high but when the friction right. goes down it's just going to be like water going downhill yeah. yeah and naturally like that's just how we work and that's how innovation <clears throat> happens so i'm excited for this to take hold i think the la latter half of this year and the and then next year where we have like 
you know, so many million daily active user products. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the flip side of that then, you know, what's keeping you up at night or wh where do you see the most friction for the industry in the next, I don't know, year, two years? So my, my concern was just hoping that, uh, and the scale project where uh, the foundation now has raised, has about 17 million that's been raised over the last two years and done it fairly quietly, um, had some press, but, uh, and we've been very, in the foundation and the community, we've been very conservative about the spend, you know, just acting like, hey, we're Silicon Valley startup, let's yeah. be really smart with the money, let's yeah. not. And, and so it's not something that really would impact us, but I think it impacting a lot of people is just financing and a down market. Yeah. And so I was just hoping, my fear has just been, I hope that the market doesn't give up before yeah. the growth happens. But in the last few weeks, I think we've seen that change. So that fear has been, yeah. You know, I feel better now that like people finally start. See, I think smart people in the industry who make bets and invest see the growth happening, and are embedded in the community and yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they're getting ahead of the curve, and so I think then that will flow down and it'll fund more innovation, fund more early stage companies, fund more, more growth, and 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 so that was my fear. But I hopefully this is not just a blip and goes back down. I'm sure the markets always go up and down, but we do need to make sure that good, smart teams are well capitalized still. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's an important part. Yeah, it's, it would be a real shame to see us get like 95% of the way. <laughs> yeah. We're at the last mile and everyone gives up on yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think we'll yeah. get there. It's just gonna just slow yeah. things down a little bit. You yeah. just can't stop movements like this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You just can't. It's. Yeah, There's, we were actually yeah. talking to somebody yesterday about that. Actually, somebody we've had on the show before, and you know, he was mentioning that there was a moment where there was <laughs> yeah. so much fud that he thought this stuff's just going to evaporate, right? And, mm -hmm. and we're just going to—it's going to be gone. But he's moved past that, and now he's like, "This is a movement that's going to live on. Like, it may not be in the same form, but mm -hmm. there's too much in motion to to really stop the train." So, yeah, yeah. Well, fantastic. Jack, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, really, really enjoyed the conversation. It. Yeah, thanks, guys. I, I love what you're doing. I think we need more focus on product and user experience. And and uh, and I know there's a there are a lot of many people with a similar mindset listening. So glad glad we have the show. Cool. And where can people find out more about Scale Labs? Yeah. So go to scale.network, scale with a K, and you can get access to all the information there. And actually, the innovator program. So is that yep. something that people can apply to or yeah. how do they get involved? Yeah, you can apply. We, we actually have a very, like, we put a lot of time and effort into the developer portal too. Mm -hmm. So please access that, check that. We actually, we'll talk later about the amount of UX research that even went into the developer portal and well, maybe, maybe overkill. We'll have to have a, but, uh, maybe a follow-up conversation. But I'd love to hear people's thoughts on the developer portal too, if you are a developer and you're interested in those things. So Yeah, awesome. very cool. We'll check it out. Yeah. Thanks so much. Right. Great. Thanks so much, Jack. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time. Enjoy the